Arkansas says, get out to China. Our military is concerned about all the right things, as usual, and ketchup. <laughs> we'll talk about all that and a whole lot more tonight. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Welcome to Wednesday. We are halfway through the week. We made it this far. So far. Man, so much is going on. And just now, I was checking out the news and my X feed. And things popped that I wanted to talk about. So uh, we're going to do that coming up in just a bit. We got a lot going on tonight. And uh, we're going to cover all that. Plus, of course, we'll continue on with our book, Lord of the Flies, coming up um, towards the end of the show. So while you're here, please, if you haven't yet, sign up for a Rumble account. It's free. It's easy. Just put in your email, confirm, and you're done. That'll let you go over there and click that follow button, follow the show, which really supports us a lot. It helps. It doesn't cost you a dime. It's absolutely free. Just hit follow. Uh, if you want to support the show from your wallet, you can go over to our Locals account, and that's the red Join button. And you can join us over there as a member and subscribe, and uh, we get exclusive subscriber-only content. It's kind of goofy stuff, but it's fun, a little behind-the-scenes stuff. And uh, we post every couple of days or so on there, so check that out. All right, before we do get going, we want to tell you about the absolute one of our sponsors, and one of our sponsors we are very proud to have as part of the show, and that is uh, Blackout Coffee. Blackout Coffee, be awake, not woke. Get some coffee with some values. Folks, Blackout Coffee, I drink so much coffee. Every day, including right now, got some here beside me. They were founded, Blackout Coffee, on the principles of conservative values. Serious. Serious as a heart attack. Hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, good old American values is what this company is all about, and we need to help support them. In addition, you can't have all that and not make a good product. They do. Blackout Coffee is insanely good. That rich, smooth, never bitter taste that you've been looking for, fresh ground, fresh, fresh roasted beans is why. I'm telling you, the difference is night and absolute day. You will taste the difference. With their fr uh, small batch roasting process, when you order, usually 24 to 48 hours, from the time you order, they roast your beans. Ship them off another few days to get them shipped. They're at your door fresh roasted, about as fresh as you can do it, unless you could roast them yourself, and of course most people can't. But when you try this coffee that's been fresh roasted, you will say, wow, and you'll jump right back on the line and order another bag. Just pick up a single bag. That's all you have to do and try it. You will be pleased. Blackout Coffee and know, too, that you are supporting a company that not only uh, believes in our conservative American values, they support our troops, our first responders. You can even, there's a place on the site where you can sign up to donate some coffee to our troops stationed around the world. Nice job. Thank you, Blackout Coffee. We really do appreciate it. There is a link in our show notes. It's the top link. And also, if you want, just to use the uh, promo code J20, J-A-Y-20 at checkout, J20 will get you 20% off your first order. 20% off your first order with the promo code J20 at checkout from Blackout Coffee. Do not reflexively believe initial reports that you hear. Always question what you hear. I know a lot of us were raised not to question authority. Mm -mm, doesn't work that way. Not anymore, folks. Those days are dead and buried. Do not fear fear porn. Don't let it control you. Don't believe in those with vested interests and narratives. The government, our government, well, used to be ours, not anymore. They have an interest in promoting strife, anxiety, 
And more often than not, the experts are wrong. We know, of course, the MSN lies. They want us fighting amongst each other. That's their goal, is to pit each, us against each other. And it's working. When it came to enemies of America's, I, I used to think that, you know, the citizens of those hostile regime, the Palestinians who support Hamas and all, well, you know what? You voted for these evil empires. Live with it. But after watching things happen like what's going on now with Jim Jordan as speaker, hopefully will be speaker, but another vote this morning. What happened in the 2020 elections? Uh, shut up. It was stolen. Don't even just sit down and shut up. After what happened right in front of our face, the evidence is everywhere. My thinking's kind of changed. If they can steal our elections, they can steal any election, especially some of these third world countries. Imagine how simple that would be. And it happens. In fact, I'd venture to guess maybe a quarter of all the countries on earth have actually legitimately elected representatives in their government. The rest, it's a sham. And just as I wouldn't expect U.S. Uh, other countries to hold U.S. citizens culpable for what these idiots in the Biden regime are doing, I need to start thinking about the citizens in those other countries, and so should you. Now, if they support these terrorist thugs, fine, group them all together. But some don't. We need to consider them. It isn't that, it isn't that we don't want to solve the problem. They created the problem. They don't want to solve them because they, it's not in their interest. It's more beneficial to them to pimp out America, sell access to themselves and our country and our services, make themselves rich, move around with 24-7 security, which we pay for, totally corrupt, treasonous, and all designed to sink us from right inside. A republic, if you can keep it, said Ben Franklin. This moron, Biden, brainless, idiot. Of course, currently in Israel, embarrassing all of us, as we knew he would. Why? Why do you think? Dan said it, and he was exactly right. He has his lips so attached to the ass of Iran. And he's giving Hamas time to regroup. While he's there, there's no war going on. There's no invasion going on. You don't think that's on purpose? Pretty soon, you're going to see other leaders around the world doing the same thing. They'll all show up. It'll all be a delay tactic so the thugs and the terror groups can regroup, rearm themselves, reorganize. It's a delay tactic. And why is the $6 billion still not withdrawn? Because they don't want to withdraw it. That's why. There, I got some footage coming up of this moron, like I said, embarrassing us. But there, there is no possible way
no possible way this trip to Israel for him was planned in two days. It doesn't work that way. You know it as well as I do. That's not how security works for the president and his entourage of buffoons. This was planned. It was all planned. Likely, what, a week, two weeks ago? Before the invasion with the paramilitary in the music concert even happened. It has to have been planned. Didn't happen in two days, doesn't work that way, and certainly not in an active war zone like Israel and Gaza. And we're falling for it. Do not fall for it. I said when I started, they lie. They control you. Don't let them. Question everything. Mike Flynn posted on uh, X just an hour ago, which is why I didn't have a chance to get it in the show notes. The U.S. Embassy in Beirut last night. He says... And real Donald Trump is the problem? That is a picture of the embassy in Beirut last night. Like some in our mainstream media would say, mostly peaceful protests. Mike Flynn and General Mike Flynn, who if anybody knows, Mike Flynn knows, says, get ready, America. We are in for something beyond what most Americans have ever experienced. And that is some scary stuff. Nigel Farage, how embarrassing. Joe Biden arrives in Israel, reads from a script, loses his thread, and then calls the brutal terrorists of Hamas the other team. I'm not kidding. Read from note cards in that quiet, whispery voice that he thinks is effective. I don't need, okay, thanks. Somewhere in here, I tell you what, let me switch cameras and find it. Somewhere in here is this idiot embarrassing himself. I don't know what happened to it now. Anyway, there was another post from Mike Flynn I wanted to share with you because it just broke. It just happened, literally just happened within the last hour. From Jack Pozo. Putin. Yeah, you forgot about Putin. You forgot about China sitting there with their, licking their lips over Taiwan. If there was ever a time where we're distracted for China to sneak over and head into Taiwan. Watch six. Putin just said the U.S. aircraft carriers that are over by Israel and uh, Palestine are within the range of Russia's airborne hypersonic missiles in the Black Sea. Hmm. Not kidding. Take a look. Now, it's in Russian, so, and again, if you're listening on the podcast, I will read the uh, translation. But before I get to that, again, General Mike Flynn, and if anybody knows from what he's talking about, this is the man who knows. We are one slippery button away from a very big stick hitting us across the head. And we have what appears to be a partially demented elder citizen, sadly, who's in charge of making those kind of decisions. Elections have consequences. This is the words of Vladimir Putin 
less than a few hours ago. They just moved two aviation strike groups into the Mediterranean Sea. I'm translating. I want to say this is not a threat, but I'm going to say now, and I will inform you about, but on my behalf, the Russian Air Force, Russian Space Forces, are starting on an ongoing basis patrols into the neutral zone of the airspace in the Black Sea. And our planes, MiG-31, armed with Kinzhal missiles, they are known to have a range of over 1,000 kilometers at Mach 9 speed. Again, he was very clear that it wasn't a threat, but he made a point. And as General Flynn said, We may very well just be about to get hit over the head with a very big stick. Folks, this stuff is scary. Beyond scary. And like I said, do not ignore China. They are sitting there with their hands on the buttons, just waiting for the best opportunity to head themselves into Taiwan, and then it's on. Frightening. I do have that cut. Let's see if I can play it for you. Let's see where it is here. With this rotting bag of flesh in the White House. Where's the cut? I thought I had it. I had it all queued up. Uh, it's not there. You can find it. It's in the link in our show notes. It's a story about this, uh, all this stuff we're talking about. It's just, it's beyond the pale. Absolutely beyond the pale. Here we go. Take a listen to this idiot. Taking too much time, but the point is this, that uh, um, I was deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. The other team? Are you freaking kidding me, you moron? You think this is a football game? The other team. This is who is representing us to the world. The world, by the way, basically said, screw you, thankfully. They're not going. They were going to go and, and meet, or they were invited to go meet with Biden while he was in Israel. They said, thanks, but uh, no thanks. They don't want to be seen next to him, likely just weaken their position. All right, we talked briefly about China because China's on the menu tonight. It was our thumbnail and it's our headline and it's good news. China, says Arkansas, get the hell out and don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way. Arkansas Attorney General has ordered a Chinese company to sell its land. Ha! A.G. Tim Griffin yesterday said he will require Northrop King Seed Company, Chinese state-owned company that owns this company in Arkansas. He will order them, require them to sell 160 acres of land in the northeast part of the state. The great governor in uh, Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, said it was the first known instance of a state enforcing a law targeting land ownership by foreign countries in the U.S. and ones they consider adversaries. Arkansas's new law bans a prohibited foreign party-controlled business 
from owning land in the state. According to Griffin's office, that includes individuals or entities with a connection to a country subject to federal international traffic and arms regulations, which includes China. State lawmakers across the U.S. recently taken stances against foreign land ownership. Florida law bars most Chinese nationals, the ones who aren't U.S. citizens, of course, or permanent residents from owning property. States including Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, considering legislation this year that would prevent foreign adversaries from buying farmland, and they are buying it. In an emailed statement, Syngenta told Axios the short-sighted order fails to account for the effect of such an action, intended or not, on the U.S. agriculture market. You know what, China? Don't worry about it. We can handle it. We got plenty of good folks here who can take over your business. You just get the F out. Foreign investors, not necessarily all government controlled, own about four million acres of U.S. agricultural land in 2021, 3.1%. China alone owns 384,000 acres, slightly less than 1% of all the foreign-held land, and less than 5% of Arkansas farmland owned by foreign investors. Not anymore so much, because Arkansas said, get the hell out. Good on you. Good on you. There's a uh, ex-post from uh, Leading Report, an account I follow over there. Take a look at Sarah here. Great. It's, it's a little long, but it's worth your time. I'm announcing that Syngenta, a Chinese state-owned agrochemical company, must give up its land holdings in Arkansas. Syngenta owns 160 acres in northeast Arkansas, which it uses primarily for seed research. The company that owns Syngenta, Kim China, is also on the Department of Defense's list of Chinese military companies posing a clear threat to our state. There you go. Not anymore. <laughs> I love it. Don Bacon, speaking of China, what? Yes, you know Bacon, that moron who is standing in the, well, one of a few communist traitor bastards that are standing in the way of uh, Jim Jordan being elected speaker? Well, guess what broke today? The percentage of politicians who do not have some level of compromise materials hanging over their heads are on some sort of payment system, likely close to 0%. De uh, Mike Flynn says, again, Flynn has been coming out with these truth bombs the last couple of days. If you don't follow Mike Flynn, you really need to. It's at Jen Flynn, G-E-N Flynn, F-L-Y-N-N. You really need to get on this guy's account. It will open your eyes. He says, I'd like to be wrong, and I'd like to believe they're as honest as summer's day, but we're closing in on winter, and I'll keep my winter clothes handy. Don Bacon, the representative, caught serving as an advisor to a nonprofit with ties to CCP-linked think tank. Not kidding. Take a look. Humpty Dumpty Institute touts partnerships with Beijing think tank that employs 12 plus members of the CCP and the People's Liberation Army. Bacon is an advisor to HDI. There is not only this link in our show notes, but if you dig in, you will see a link to the Washington Examiner. And in there is the story, 
with all the receipts you need. Gee, I wonder why Bacon won't support Jordan. Wonder who's got the goods on him. You should wonder too. All right, Russia making not what are threats, but just pointing out the fact that these war machines from the U.S. are in the Black Sea close enough for their patrols to hit them. China doing everything China does. The Middle East, of course, bubbling and exploding. So, obviously, our military has to be ready. They've got to be geared up. They've got to be loading up, polishing their armor and ready to do battle against a enemy that wants them dead, right? Not so much. The Biden Health and Human Services has imposed a trans pronoun mandate on their employees. Look at this freak. Even though Palm briefly mentioned religion, neither the email nor the speaker in the video made any mention of accommodating or exempting employees who may have a religious exemption to the transgender ideology. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services imposes a transgender pronoun mandate. This is what these holes are concerning themselves with. All employees should be addressed by the names and pronouns they use to describe themselves. New mandate, part of the Gender Identity and Non-Description Guidance. It's in an unlisted, not, not public, but an unlisted YouTube video. Once we get past this ad, Okay, so here is the video. It's, it's very long. It's four and a half minutes. Obviously, I'm not playing the whole thing. I'm just going to skim I'm through. Andrea Palm, Deputy Secretary here at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Isn't that nice? Now, as we get up here, the freak begins to talk. And just take a quick listen as to what he has to say. Hello. I am Admiral Rachel Levine, she, her pronouns. No, you're not. And I serve as the Assistant Secretary for Health. As an out and proud transgender senior leadership position at HHS, I want to extend my greetings for a happy National Coming Out Day. And I want to thank the Deputy Secretary and the ASA for their support and leadership to ensure that all HHS employees, including transgender and non-binary employees, have the equal protections in the workplace that they need and deserve. The gender identity non-discrimination and inclusion guidance is very important. Okay, okay, and okay, diversity okay, of our okay, workforce. Enough. Enough. Shut this down. Absolute crap. Yes, this is what your Health and Human Services Department, and in some cases, the military. The link to that, by the way, if you want to watch the whole idiotic thing, is in our show notes, so you can check it out. Meanwhile, the economy, how's that going? Hmm? Oh, just great, thanks. How about this headline? Bank of America, unrealized losses on securities rose to, listen to this number, one hundred and thirty one point six billion dollars. Bank of America. Can you say bankrupt? Reported unrealized losses on securities in the third quarter, growing from the second quarter. Hey, Bidenomics, how's that going for you? The bank doesn't expect the portfolio would generate actual losses in the long term. 
unrealized losses have come under close scrutiny by investors since March. Silicon Valley Bank sold a portfolio of its holdings at a huge loss recently. Their collapse fueled the worst industry turmoil since the 2008 financial crisis. So there's a little freaking Bidenomics for you. Aren't things just great? $131.6 billion in security losses. Like Mike Flynn said, like General Flynn says, hold on to your hat, folks. Because it's going to get worse before it gets better. I should have tied this with the Levine story with that idiot guy. But it's from O'Keefe Media Group, OMG. Of course, former Project Veritas uh, head creator, um, James O'Keefe. He posted this today on X. I put the post in our show notes because you need to read it and you need to do something about it. Call your representatives, show up at school board meetings and tell them you are not putting up with this crap. This bullshit has gone on long enough. It needs to stop. This is some scary crap. A school district in New Jersey has been socially transitioning students behind their parents' back. That, according to email and video exclusively obtained by OMG, Kingsway Regional School District in Kingsway, New Jersey, adopted a tiered policy for classifying students who want to transition without their parents' knowledge. And they're encouraging it. Quote from a student here, one of the counselors, I had one of my students reach out to me about their preferred name for next year. Do we know how we can input their name into Genesis, which is the school information system, without it being visible to families? What? A source within the school recorded Fallon saying, I'm not calling home. Everything we talk about stays between us. There is a video included in the link with this X post from O'Keefe Media Group. And trust me, my friends, you need to click on it. You need to watch the video. You need to find out more about it. Of course, they reached out to the superintendent. He didn't have anything to comment about. But according to the email, they have developed a tiered ranking system. Students on the second tier are allowed to use whatever gender and name they choose, and that information is purposely kept from the parents. They're taking... They are taking away your kids. Little by little, bit by bit, it is all a part of the plan. It is all. Remember we talked in the very beginning, we'll wrap it all together. It is all a part of the plan. Absolutely scary. All right. One more and then we gotta get on with our book here. I need to lighten the mood. Do you know where ketchup came from? No, I, I know. Night and day, but just, you know, I, I gotta I gotta put all that behind me. I have to, or I'm gonna this is gonna go away. Sanity is out the window. Ketchup. You know ketchup. We love it. I put it on everything, hot dogs, hamburgers, french fries, whatever, onion rings. Yeah, I like ketchup on onion rings, actually. Here where I live, chili sauce is the big thing, but I'm still an American patriot, and I stick with my ketchup. It is a weird story about global trade that dates back to three to 200 B.C. Ketchup. I'm not kidding. Two parts of the world 
sauce made from oily fish guts, anchovies, sardines, all that stuff you love, mixed with salt, herbs, fermented for months in the sun. I know, it sounds completely disgusting. But basically, uh, the ancient Greece called it garum, which strangely enough is the Malay word for salt. But ancient China called it kichap, which is Hokkien for brine of pickled fish. Fish sauce. It's used commonly. It's very, very popular in Thai dishes. But there's all the ingredients left out in the sun to rot and ferment. And you wind up with this, actually, I kind of like it, fish sauce. Well, garum later became very popular in the Roman Empire, but disappeared as the trade routes were disrupted. Fast forward the 16th century, I, I know, but bear with me, I'm almost done. This is the coolest story. Chinese seafarers reintroduced fish sauce while trading with Vietnam, where it's called Nok Mam, and Thailand, Nam Pla. Now, these same Chinese explorers transported the sauce back to China and modern-day regions like Malaysia, Hong Kong. Over the next 200 years, they took a total detour from the original recipe. Worcestershire sauce, by the way, is an offshoot of the old, old-time fish sauce. And in America, horticulturist James Meese created the first tomato ketchup. That's why tomato ketchup isn't just tomatoes mashed up, you know. I mean, of course, you probably know that, but maybe you don't. The recipe originally called for brandy, ooh, and did not have two ingredients that are in today's ketchup, which is vinegar and sugar. Most popular of the condiments Henry John Heinz created, now known as Heinz ketchup. Do you know that's been around since 1876? Wow! And while ketchup, K-E-T-C-H-U-P, is a common, most accepted spelling, back then it was actually called catsup, C-A-T-S-U-P. There you go. That, on this side, wait, wait, give me my mouse back, here we go. That is fish sauce. And it doesn't look too bad. I know the way you make it's kind of gross, but it's kind of nice. And that became There you go. So, if you were hoping to learn some stupid little piece of goofy thing tonight, there you go. We talked about war. We talked about you not giving up. We talked about don't let them control you. We talked about don't believe their lies. And we talked about ketchup. Because that's what we do on this show. <laughs> you can count on one thing. It's going to be different. Just like the fact that we read books. We do indeed, and we've been doing that 473 shows now. Wow! That's a lot. Okay, sorry, I was drinking coffee. Blackout coffee. We're reading Lord of the Flies. It's from William Golding, first published back in 1954. We normally do children's literature, classic stuff. Uh, Treasure Island, I think we may have coming up next. But... Right now, we are doing Lord of the Flies, so let's get back into it. I think we're about halfway through chapter six. Mm, are we? Yes, about halfway through chapter six. Okay, here we go. William Golding's Lord of the Flies. After they eaten, Ralph and the Biggins set out along the beach. They left Piggy propped up on the platform. This day promised, like the others, to be a sunbath under a blue dome. The beach stretched away before them in a gentle curve till perspective drew it into one with the forest, for the day was not advanced enough to be obscured by the shifting veils of mirage. Under Ralph's direction, they picked up a careful way along the palm terrace rather than dare the hot sand down by the water. He let Jack lead the way, 
Jack trod with theatrical caution, though they could have seen an enemy twenty yards away. Ralph walked in the rear, thankful to have escaped responsibility for a time. Simon, walking in front of Ralph, felt a flicker of incredulity, a beast with claws that scratched, that sat on a mountaintop, that left no tracks, and yet was not fast enough to catch Sanerick. However Simon thought of the beast, there rose before his inward sight the picture of a human, at once heroic and sick. He sighed. Other people could stand up and speak to an assembly, apparently, without that dreadful feeling of the pressure of personality, could say what they would as though they were speaking to only one person. He stepped aside and looked back. Ralph was coming along, holding his spear over his shoulder. Definitely, Simon allowed his pace to slacken until he was walking side by side with Ralph and looking up at him through the coarse black hair that now fell into his eyes. Ralph glanced sideways, smiled constrainedly as though he'd forgotten that Simon had made a fool of himself, and then looked away again at nothing. For a moment or two, Simon was happy to be accepted, and then he ceased to think about himself. When he bashed into a tree, Ralph looked sideways impatiently, and Robert sniggered. Simon reeled, and a white spot on his forehead turned red and trickled. Sam dismissed Simon, returned to the personal hell. They would reach the castle sometime, and the chief would have to go forward. Jack came trotting back. We're in sight now. All right, we'll get as close as we can. Jack followed. He followed Jack toward the castle where the grounds rose slightly. On their left was an impenetrable tangle of creepers and trees. Why couldn't there be something in that? Because you can see, nothing goes in or out. What about the castle then? Look. Ralph parted the screen of grass and looked out. There were only a few more yards of stony ground, and then the two sides of the island came almost together, so that one expected a peak of headland. But instead of this, a narrow ledge of rock a few yards wide, perhaps fifteen long, continued the island out into the sea. There lay another of those pieces of pink squareness that underlay the structure of the island. The side of the castle, perhaps a hundred feet high, was the pink bastion they had seen from the mountaintop. The rock of the cliff was split, top littered with great lumps that seemed to totter. Behind Ralph, the tall grass had filled with silent hunters. Ralph looked at Jack. You're a hunter. Jack went red. I know, all right. Something deep in Ralph spoke for him. I'm chief. I'll go. Don't argue. He turned to the others. You, hide here and wait for me. He found his voice tended either to disappear or come out too loud. He looked at Jack. Do you think? Jack muttered. I've been all over. It must be there. I see. Simon mumbled confusedly, I don't believe in the beast. Ralph answered him politely as if agreeing about the weather. No, I suppose not. His mouth was tight and pale. He put his hair back very slowly. Well, so long. He forced his feet to move until they'd carry him out to the neck of land. He was surrounded on all sides by chasms of empty air. There was nowhere to hide, even if one did not have to go on. He paused on the narrow neck and looked down. Soon, a matter of centuries, the sea would make an island of the castle. On the right hand was the lagoon troubled by the open sea. On the left, Ralph shuddered. 
The lagoon had protected them from the Pacific. For some reason, only Jack had gone right down to the water on the other side. And now he saw the landsman view of the swell, and it seemed like the breathing of some stupendous creature. Slowly the waters sank among the rocks, revealing pink tables of granite, strange growths of coral, polyp, and weed. Down, down the waters went, whispering like the wind among the heads of the forest. There was one flat rock there, spread like a table, and the waters sucking down on the four weedy sides make them seem like cliffs. Then the sleep, steep, sleeping Leviathan breathed out, and the water rose. The weeds streamed, and the water boiled over the table rock with a roar. There was no sense of the passage of waves, only this minute-long fall, and rise, and fall. Ralph turned away to the red cliff. They were waiting behind him in the long grass, waiting to see what he'd do. He noticed sweat in his palm was cool now, realized with surprise he didn't really expect to meet any beast, and didn't know what he would do about it if he did. He saw he could climb the cliff, but this wasn't necessary. The squareness of the rock allowed a sort of plinth round it, and so to the right over the lagoon one could inch along a ledge and turn the corner out of sight. Easy going, and soon he was peering around the rock. Nothing but what you might expect. Pink, tumbled boulders with guano layered on them like icing. A steep slope up shattered rocks that crowned the bastion. A sound behind him made him turn. Jack was edging along the ledge. Couldn't let you do it on your own. Ralph said nothing. He led the way over the rocks, inspected a sort of half-cave that held nothing more terrible than a clutch of rotten eggs, and at last sat down, looking round him and tapping the rock with the butt of his spear. Jack was excited. What a place for a fort! A column of spray wetted them. No fresh water. What's that then? There was indeed a long green smudge halfway up the rock. They climbed up and tasted the trickle of water. You could keep a coconut shell there, filling it all the time. Not me, this is a rotten place. Well, side by side, they scaled the last height to where the diminishing pile was crowned by the last broken rock. Jack struck the one near with his fist, and it grated slightly. Do you remember... Consciousness of the bad times in between them came to both. Jack talked quickly. Shove a palm trunk under that, and if an enemy came, look! A hundred feet below them was a narrow causeway then the stony ground and the grass dotted with heads, and behind that, the forest. One heave, cried Jack, exulting, and whee! He made a sweeping movement with his hand, and Ralph looked towards the ma uh, mountain. What's the matter? Ralph turned. Why? There was no signal now, nothing to show. You are nuts on the signal. The taut blue horizon encircled them, broken only by the mountaintop. That's all we've got. He leaned his spear against the rock stone, pushed back two handfuls of hair. We gotta go back and climb the mountain. That's where they saw the beast. The beast won't be there. What else can we do? The others waiting in the grass, saw Jack and Ralph unharmed and broke cover into the sunlight. They forgot the beast in the excitement of exploration, swarmed across the bridge and soon were climbing and shouting. Ralph stood now, one hand against an enormous red block, a large block as a mill wheel been split off and hung tottering. Some somberly, he watched the mountain, clenched his fists and beat hammer-wise on the red wall at his right. 
His lips were tight compressed and his eyes yearned beneath that fringe of hair. Smoke, he sucked his bruised fist. Jack, come on. But Jack wasn't there. A knot of boys making a great noise that he hadn't noticed was heaving and pushing at a rock. As he turned, the base cracked and the whole mass toppled into the sea so that a thunderous plume of spray left leapt halfway up the cliff. Stop it! Stop it! His voice struck a silence among them. Smoke! A strange thing happened in his head. Something flittered there in front of his mind like a bat's wing, obscuring the idea. Smoke! At once the ideas were back, and the anger. We want smoke, and you go wasting your time. You roll rocks, Roger shouted. We got plenty of time. Ralph shook his head. We'll go to the mountain. Clamor broke out. Some of the boys wanted to go back to the beach. Some wanted to roll more rocks. The sun, bright danger, had faded with the darkness. Jack... The beast might be on the other side. You lead again. You've been. We could go by the shore. There's fruit. Bill came up to Ralph. Why can't we stay here for a bit? That's right. Let's have a fort. There's no food here, said Ralph, and no shelter. Not much fresh water. This would make a wizard fort. We can roll rocks right into the bridge. I say we go on, shouted Ralph furiously. We gotta make sure we'll go on now. Let's stay here. Back to the shelter. I'm tired. No. Ralph struck the skin off his knuckles. They didn't seem to hurt. I'm chief. I've got to make certain. Can't you see the mountain? There's no signal showing. There may be a ship out there. Are you all off your rockers? Mutinously, the boys fell silent or muttering, and Jack led the way down the rock and across the bridge. That's chapter six. Chapter seven will come up on tomorrow's show called Shadow and the Tall Trees. Cool. William Golding's Lord of the Flies. All right. Hey, thank you so much for popping by and spending part of your day with me. I really do appreciate it. Help to support the show, either join our Locals channel or at the very least hit that follow button. It's free to do that. Check out all our great sponsors, NordVPN, Blackout Coffee, Skillshare. They're all there in our show notes. <sighs> it's been a long day and it's going to be a longer week. We'll be back with more uh, tomorrow. So I'll see you then. Thanks. Right.